How you going, man? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Fantastic. Steve and Steve-O in the house. Yep. So, cruise Vegas last night. Yeah. Well, by the time anybody hears this, that will be two weeks That's ago. A, yeah, it will be a little <laughs> while ago, but last night. Yep. Awesome night. Dusty. Dusty as today. So, so we barock it up, Red Bulled up, nutted up, shut it up, <laughs> jumped in the car, went and seen Sean, the main man at Killer Sprocket, and mashed in, and... It was awesome. It was awesome. It was great. Yeah, and pretty well total lack of preparation on yeah, our behalf. But, yeah, we didn't need it. As it turned out. <laughs> yeah. 98% was all Sean, which was fantastic. Yeah, right. I think he knew it, that yeah. we were a bit um, under the weather. <laughs> yes. And either he didn't drink much the night before or he's mighty piss fit. <laughs> he can handle it, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. No, nah, it was a bloody good good chat with Sean. It was. It was yeah, learned a lot. Yeah. We got into pretty well his history. It yeah. ended up being almost a Sean Ryan story, didn't it? Not it so was. much the Killer Sprocket That's story. Right. But again, that was fantastic. I, oh, yeah, it was I loved hearing about the um, the way they actually did the gypsy brewing. Like he does that. Absolutely. It's, yeah, because yeah. I, I had no idea. Yeah. You know, over the, the th- three or four chats that we had with Sean while he was up here, Yeah. Um, you know, we got a really really solid picture of how it all worked with Southern Bay and, and Cavalier yep. and, and, you know, and Hendo and all of that. Um, but yeah, I guess have a listen. Yeah. <laughs> he tells the to story. To hear him tell it, it's, yeah, great yeah. story. He's definitely a, he's got an entrepreneurial streak, yep. doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a go-getter. He certainly is. <laughs> yeah, and making some damn good beer. Yeah, fantastic beers. Yeah. But yeah, that'll do, eh? Hello. Yeah, all right. Sit back, relax, kick off your shoes, pick up a beer, and listen to Sean. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so we are joined with Sean from Killer Sprocket and Mashed In. How are you? Good. Good day, sir. Yeah, so my knowledge of Killer Sprocket started with that article which was written in 2013. Yep. Um, so it was launched at Penny Blue Bar. Yeah, kind Melbourne. of. Melbourne? Yep, kind of. How <laughs> <laughs> hey, about you tell us the real story? Yeah, so... <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, keep going. What else did I say in that article? There was the bit that we talked about the other day, which is my favourite bit, the, the metal Jesus. Have you yeah, met Jesus? I'm getting that at look again. I need yeah. to... <laughs> I get, like, yearly haircuts... And it's getting close to my yearly haircut time. Yeah. So I really need to, to get onto that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, where did Killer Sprockets are? So I guess the the starting of it was actually, I just really liked sort of like craft beer and things like that, and many people sort of do. And uh, I was kind of fortunate. Like, I growing up, I never liked beer, like, just was okay. not. I'm not. A, was not a fan of of beer. Was not a very big drinker, really. Right. Like most people, sort of sneak beers and, and and you know alcohol and stuff with their parents and all that sort of stuff. I just wasn't really yeah, into right. that. I think when I was in high school, like year twelve, maybe people were like, like there were parties of people like, do you want to you know do you want a drink? And I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to start on a drink. So people were like, do you like you know I. I enjoyed the music of the band corn and they had a song called bbk which is bourbon big black cock which they called bourbon and coke so i'm oh, like well that's a that's a thing i've heard in songs yeah so i'll try that right. and i'm like well this tastes like coca-cola but <laughs> you know is harsher maybe yeah. that's that's my drink perhaps you know and then i found alcoholic milkshakes i'm like i, I love big m's this 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 is what's an alcoholic milkshake it, well, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like a milkshake with alcohol in it. Like, okay. so I'm like, yeah. So I was like, I was the worst bloody. I was drinking like a bloody, you know, like a fucking schoolgirl. I'm like, yeah, alcoholic milkshakes. Does it come with umbrellas? <laughs> Is this a, like a prepackaged thing? Or? No, no. Like you'd go to like I don't know. I don't think they do them now. It used to be like every bar it seemed to that I went to had like a range of alcoholic milkshakes oh, yeah, right. yeah i guess they call them milkshake ipas now but yeah. <laughs> but they had yeah like that and it was usually a kalua based beverage or a chocolate look like a chocolate 
Yeah. Not, you know, a kind of beverage or something mixed with a fuckload of milk. Problem is, you can't get drunk on those because you get really sick if you try to drink a litre of milk. Like, it's, uh, there's, only, there's only a certain amount of milk you can do. And, and, like, and also, that kind of beverage in a discotheque doesn't mix well. <laughs> so uh, I gave up on those. <laughs> and then um, I actually moved out of – I was first, uh, first of my friends to move out. And I uh, moved out with Matt, who's the co-host on uh, on Mashed In, and um, we moved in. You know, we moved into the tiny flat together. And uh, he didn't actually even know he was moving out with me. I just said, "Hey, dude, you're moving out with me." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. All right, let's do it." <laughs> cool. I'm like, "Sweet, I've signed a lease. <laughs> this is your this is your this is your half." And I don't know. God bless him. He he went. Yeah, all right. That sounds like something. <laughs> it's like something you could do so uh so yeah so we lived so because we were the only like we we're the first of our friends to move out just everyone would be at our house like it was just uh this tiny flat uh we ended up having to like we were there for a year and then we we're like we need to get a bigger place because there are just too many people like you'd go to bed and then you'd wake up and there'd be just like 20 people sleeping on the floor and you'd be like this this is terrible. So I need to I need to get to work, and I can't get through my lounge room for people. So, but uh, because we're there, because we're there, uh, the first people just bring a slab because what you do when you're in your twenties and you go to your mate's place is you bring a slab. And I never drank beer, so these slabs were just piling up because you know, oh, shit. as Maddie was the only one drinking. And then a five dollar pizza store opened across the road, and it was just like, you know. Wow. So we're eating pizza and I'm like, I can't afford to buy bourbon and Cokes and chocolate milkshakes, <laughs> shakes to go with my pizzas. And Matt's drinking all the beer. And I'm like, and the milk and the water coming out of the tap was brown. So I'm like, I just, this is sucks, man. I got like, and he goes, what do you mean sucks? $5 pizzas and a kitchen full of beer. I'm like, yeah, but I don't drink beer. And he goes, well, you better start because <laughs> otherwise what else are you going to drink? Brown water or nothing. Like there's, there's your options. Is the water out of the tap or the beer in the fridge? So I was like, yeah, good point. So I started, you know, drinking Carlton Draft at the time and, um, and just being like, man, this... This beer and pizza thing. I don't know if anyone else has figured this out. This is a pretty good match. Works. Yeah. <laughs> this, this does really well. You, the more you drink, the more five dollar pizzas you get. Vice versa. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's not great on the health, but no. when you're in your twenties, who gives a shit, no, right? That's right. So so doing that, and then uh, another mate of mine, um, Brad, came over and goes, "Have you heard of this uh, this beer called James Squire?" And I'm like, no, what's, what's that? He goes, well, it's like beer, but it's got like taste. And I'm like, serious? <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> so I drank the James Guarant Amber Ale and I was like, man, this is incredible. So mm. started drinking that and then it was like other craft beers and things. And this is when craft beer started kind of, you know, craw- coming into the, into the sort of mainstream. Yeah, like right. you had, you obviously had Mountain Goat and, um, you know, and, and all those guys uh, were still there, Grand Ridge and Red Hill and everything. But craft beer wasn't as huge, so there's still quite a lot of international mm. craft beers coming in, and um, and yeah, so we used to we just used to yeah sort of get into craft and, and try different things, and and uh, and at that time, Malt Shovel Brew was always releasing new and interesting beers and raspberry wheat beers okay. and all sorts of different. They had this Mad Brewers series, mm. and I still think there's some of the beers that they put out was like some of the best stuff they had this scribbly gum lager that was just amazing like oh they, when, when are we talking doing, oh this would have been two oh, probably mid 2000s i would think okay. yeah. probably uh yeah probably 2003 maybe i'd think so um yeah so drinking that was great and then um we my you know my wife sort of get it started getting into beer as well and we'd go out to to you know these new trendy boutique bars that had <laughs> other beers on that weren't you know lion or cub yep drinking ho gardens and then we found out that you could buy grand ridge uh away you know they had grand ridge had a um had a very ho garden like beer uh wheat beer that they had out that we used to they used to grab because it was cheaper than Hogarden, and now 
Toe Garden is like half the price of Grand Ridge beer, so <laughs> you know everything sort of yeah. turns around. But um, my parents just come back up from Victoria and they out near or out in Gippsland, so they oh, went yeah. to Grand Ridge, brought yep. me up a mix six pack. Yep. So I've gone halfway through it. Yeah. What do you reckon? The pale ales were interesting. They were had a real. This is the multi flavour. Mm. Um, it point, used to be. Yeah. It used to be Grand Ridge. Used, I used to find that. They couldn't put a foot wrong, in my opinion. Okay. Oh, really? And I don't know if it's my taste evolving or other things, but mm. now I just do not get the same joy out of yeah. drinking a Grand Ridge. But that being said, I was sort of, by the time I sort of finished drinking sort of Grand Ridge beers, the stuff I was drinking was like Super Shine and Moonshine and, oh, yeah. and that stuff, which is the really heavy beers, which are really good. And I haven't had one of them for quite a while, I so it might be... I think I've got a super shine in the fridge, mm. and they've got a wet hop oatmeal ale okay. in the fridge. So I'm going to yeah. See I haven't had Grand Ridge uh, beers for a while. Um, I've had a uh, yeah, All West City, which is <laughs> same beer. It is, is it? <laughs> I wondered about that. Yeah, they bought they I bought out. That. Yeah, yeah, they bought it out. So um, yeah, so. Yeah, so drinking those sort of beers and things, and then my wife got into that, and then when my wife and I moved in the city, behind our apartment was a craft beer shop. Nice. And they had amazing Australian craft beers uh. and things, and they uh, they had a lot of the Red Hill beers, and they were a, uh, they were a big fan of Red Hill, and I'm mm-hmm. still a huge fan of Red Hill. I really really love I wish we could Red get Hill more beers. Of that up here. Yeah, well they've got the same distributors. As me, so if you see my beer around, you'll probably see Red Hill beers around. Awesome. And if you're going to the um, thing on Sunday, the block party, Red Hill will be there. Okay. So they'll have a keg of something. Sounds there. like you're going to the block is. party. But uh, they'll have a keg of something from Red Hill there. Yeah, right. Um, their, their brew is probably my favourite brew. I've oh, had okay. So far. Yeah. yeah, Dave's an amazing brew. I love the Red Hill stuff, and they've got mm-hmm. the their stout is still like the yes. benchmark stout for me. I absolutely love their stout. They're the only two I've had. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, this bottle shop behind us, behind our apartment, that dude loved stout, and he right. used to like the Red Hill stout. And he used to buy a shitload of it, and no one in the neighbourhood drank it, right? But he didn't give a fuck because he loved this stout, right? <laughs> but what it meant was that you could get Red Hill Stout year-round at this bottle shop. Awesome. And from whichever year, like, because he'd always have the stock there. So you'd go in and you'd be like, do you have the stout from three years ago? <laughs> yeah. So you grab a, three, a bottle for three years ago, two years ago. Like, so you could do your own vertical tasting. Yeah. So you could – he'd just – it would be the same price and you just – That's awesome. Because you just had them all stacked up and you'd just go, yeah, I'll get whatever year you want. These are the years I've got. Yeah, yeah. And you just go and buy which year you felt like drinking on that particular – That's unreal. And, and you can tell the differences, I assume, after the years. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Now, all this we're talking about um, – your your past is it was it always in Victoria Melbourne? Yes, yeah, pretty much. I was born in Adelaide because okay. that's where my parents' dealer went. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, and then when I was four or five, I don't know, they must have found a new dealer or whatever. We went back to Melbourne. So, <laughs> nice. well, they just uh, they sobered up, realised they had two kids. Went Jesus, <laughs> better get back to where our family lives. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, very yeah. Lived in um, I lived in uh, Melbourne pretty much all my life. Though my grandfather had um, uh, had bought some hotel rooms and stuff in Surfers, so in the Gold Coast. In, yeah, in Gold Coast. Oh, cool. So every year, this is where we you know we'd come up to the Gold Coast oh, for right. you know for Queensland and the Gold Coast for for holidays and stuff. And then we had family in Brisbane and stuff, so we'd drive around. So we'd sort of be in Brisbane. So. Every, so for me, Queensland has always been like where fun is. <laughs> yeah, right. That's really cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. if I'm like stressed out or something like that, like I love coming to Queensland. Like that's to me, it's like where I go to kind of chill out. And I've just re- it used to always be the Gold Coast, mm. and then after I sort of got into the beer industry and stuff, we started distributing out here. It's been Brisbane is like yeah, right. where we love to yeah. come. My wife's the same. Her mother's family live up in queensland okay 
so they're all up here and um so every year like family holidays and stuff and you know family get-togethers were usually up here and things like that so she and they would they'd have some in new like some family in new south wales and some in brisbane so they were always in sort of sunny coast or Ah, sort of you know tweed heads or something like that or the border towns you know so she was so she would grow she grew up the same sort of way i did is going same places um and but she had the kind of opposite thing, yeah. which is like she wasn't a huge fan of Queensland because it was always like, you know, you'd go up and the cousins would pick on you, <laughs> and you know, you're the white kids from, you know, the white pale kids from Melbourne, and you know all these yeah, yeah. tanned, you know, muscle bound, you know, surfing kids, yeah. <laughs> all this stuff, beach rats and stuff. Okay. So what you thought when I first come up, pale white kid from Victoria? Nah. <laughs> no. Nah, I don't know what I thought. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but then she came, I was Nothing like, good. yeah, I was like, <laughs> Brisbane's the best. So then when she came to Brisbane, I was like, when, you know, we'd come up to Brisbane together, she's like, man, Brisbane is awesome. So yeah, now right. we like, we kind of try to have like little getaways in Brisbane, kind of not let anyone else know. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> but no, that's, that's the thing. So yeah, so getting, you know, going through that and then, you know, um, getting into craft beer, we would, uh, we, we used to do our food shopping and this, uh, supermarket in St Kilda um, I, it's under the Triple M building so it's in Clarendon Street and opposite was this uh, was a bottle shop called the Prince Wine Store and it's not there anymore it's now Liquorland but at the time it was like a, a beer uh, craft beer store yeah. and we just got hooked on Rogue from the States oh, and just okay. drinking every single different Rogue beer right. that we could possibly drink beer, beer. Yeah, beard beer. I love the beard really? beer. Really? I've got a T-shirt. I've got a beard. Is that? Yeah, that's the, yeah. yeah. Have you had it? No, no. We, we did the... That's the Swill or Swerve one. Yeah, we used to have a segment. We'd do like, try and find gross beers and be like, oh. Swill or Swerve. Dude, if you ever see this beer, really? you've got to get it. It is one of the best beers. It's Crazy. amazing. It is such a good beer. Awesome. Such a good beer. <laughs> it's so stupid that it's been... That it's like that's what it's known for. Like yeah, it's the beer, right. beer. What it is is it's an actual. It's just a really. It's kind of saisony. It's like a really okay. nice, gentle malt profile, light hop profile with a wild mm. caught yeast. Right. You know what I mean? Like they cultured that out of his beard because yeah. he'd been working <laughs> in the industry for so long that he'd cultured his own yeah, form of brewing yeast in his beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not like he dips his beard into the mash tun and, you know what I mean, <laughs> makes the beer. Like it's it's been cultured in a lab and grown up and, and yeah, stuff yeah. and like that. And it's amazing. The beer is incredible. I really, really. Right. Well, yeah. there we go. Actually, if, if you get a chance to, to, to get it, it's actually a really decent beer. I'll definitely get it if I see it. Yeah. I always would have because, you know, I like beards. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Usually people will, like, buy it for you. They'll be like, oh, you got a beard? Yeah, drink this beer. Okay. There you go. Listen. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, yeah, drink all the rogues and stuff. And then, you know, we go holidays. You'd end up, like, all our friends got into craft beer. So we'd end up going to breweries and visiting people. And I'd always sort of say, oh, man, you guys got the best job. How'd you get into, you know, how'd you get into brewing? Right. And most of them were just like, I just did it. I'm like, what do you mean you just did it? They're like, well, I just woke up one day and we're like, you know what, I'm going to give the brewing a try and we're going to start a brewery. And he goes, you know, I said, did you do this? Did you do And they're like, no, no, I just, just did it. We homebrewed <laughs> and then we were like, yeah, look, we think we've got enough arrogance that we think we can do this commercially and we just did it and I was like wow that's pretty amazing <laughs> so I was like one day one day I'm going to start a brewery yeah. I was working at an insurance company at the time and getting paid a lot of money which was which was nice and working stupid hours which allowed me to buy a lot of beer which was nice <laughs> but uh then that company sold and my job was uh was worth half as much as what they were paying me. So I was like, well, there's a target on my back. (laughs) And then uh, it was decided, mutually decided that I would leave. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, so I left that and went to to university and um, studied business entrepreneurship and, and all that. And as part of that course, it was like the capstone of that course is either you start your own business at the end of the, of the, of the uh, degree or you work as a consultant you do work experiences in a consultancy oh, yeah, firm right. I'm like I'm going to be a consultant anytime <laughs> I'm going to try to start this beer business so you go through everything so you know you have the full resources of the um, of the university so you've got IBIS reports and data and you know and all 
accounts and you know accountancy professor and everything so you can write you know a really good business plan and and that's the thing at the end that's your essentially your capstone assignment is a bulletproof business plan right right so i did this business plan for this brewery and um and got a high distinction on it and then left university and i'm like I'm just going to see if I can start a brewery. <laughs> so I went to the bank with my business plan. I said, I want to start a brewery. So that's without any home brewing? No, no, no. I'd, I'd been home oh, brewing for years. No, no, yeah. no. I had been home brewing for years. <laughs> yep. But just because you're a good home brewer doesn't mean you're going to be a good... Yeah, yeah. you're going to have a good brewery. Uh, but, you know, I'd been home brewing for years and, and you know, really got into all grain brewing and, yep. and had a bunch of recipes, a bunch of things up my sleeve, what I wanted to do. But, yeah, so I thought, I'll see, you know, because... You need money to start a brewery. It's mm. not cheap. So I went to the bank and I was like, I want to be, I want to start a brewery, and gave my business plan. Mm. And um, and I was actually, I remember, and they they called me up and essentially was like, yeah, okay, here's the money, you know. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh sweet. And I remember where I was when I got the call. Yeah. I was delivering pamphlets, like for uh, a company I. Uh, yeah, that delivers like you know flies in the mail. So I was walking around delivering flies in the mail for like, I think works out at eight dollars an hour or yeah, something like yeah. that. Like a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. But it was just like in between sort of uni till I figured out yeah, you know yeah. what's happening. So doing these pamphlets, and I was listening to Radio Brews News. No, oh, yes. <laughs> as I was walking around doing it, and then my phone rang, and so I turned off Brews News, answered the phone, and they're like. Hey, it's so and so from ANZ Bank. Um, we're just reviewing your application. Which, like, say, you know, um, we, yeah, we'd like to to grant it. We'd give you the awesome. You know, transferring the money tonight. And I was like, hot dog! Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Threw my pamphlets out. Actually, yeah. I didn't. I'm too responsible. I finished. Actually, go. finished my route because <laughs> I'm like, I'm too responsible. Like, I just. What if people don't get their Bunnings catalogs? I can't have that on my head. So I delivered the rest of the catalogs and then called up. And was like. You can take your catalogs and shove them, <laughs> and then um, and then yeah, made a call to Southern Bay, and this bald idiot called Hendo answered. Hey, yeah, fucker! I'm like, hey, Hendo, I'd like to like to brew a beer, please. Oh yeah, come in. So went in there, and uh, I think that's an accurate impersonation of Hendo. <laughs> so yeah, so I went in, and uh, he tasted the beer. And he goes, yeah. He goes, look, this is. He goes, a good beer, like, you, yeah. He goes, it's better than most of the shit we're brewing here. <laughs> because they, like, a big contract brewing, there's a lot of people that would just come in and be like, what's the cheapest beer you can brew? And they'd be yeah. like, this is the cheapest lager. Yeah, okay, right. how can you make it cheaper? These hops seem expensive, can we get rid of those? <laughs> and Hendo would be like, oh, well, you can get rid of some of them, but you need some sort of hops and... They are the cheapest, unless you want to have Pride of Ringwood. And then you see their little eyes light up. You want Pride of Ringwood? Okay, fine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, I, you know, to have someone come and go, I don't care about the cost. I want to make this yeah, beer the yeah. way I want to make it, you know. So, yeah, so the first – so, yeah, brewed at Southern Bay, made, uh, made my first beer and then naively thought that uh, I'd let the beer do the talking. You know, okay. and what I'd do is I'd release it, and people would do what I do and go into a bottle shop and go, "Oh, that's a new beer. I might try that." And they'd try the beer and they go, "This is an interesting beer." And then they would just have that transaction, and that would be the relationship, and they would buy more of that beer, like what I do. Mm-hmm. Yep. What I didn't realize is that people want to know every fucking detail about your life and who this person is, and if they don't know who you are ahead of time, they will fear your beer. And think you're a con man, which is what happened. Especially if you get a proper designer to design your label, which is what I did. Because I'm like, because I listen to Bruce News and stuff, and things like they were saying is like, you know, people just scribble on labels and stuff. Yeah. This is you should put thought into it. So we actually got a designer, paid a, quite a bit of money to go through design process and come up with an actual full visual identity and everything for this beer. So it looked really smick. Problem is, it looks like a marketing company made yeah, my beer. Oh, okay, yeah. So. A bunch of people didn't buy my beer. Like people in the industry and a lot of people that um, that were into craft at the time didn't buy my beer because yeah. they were like, who's this bloody marketing company? And then they'd get on and they'd try to find out who we were and they'd be like, 
these people don't have a huge amount of bloody those sneaky marketing companies are lying, hiding who they are and oh, yeah. trying to do forensic accounting and go, man, they've really covered their trail, making themselves look like, you know, just a husband and wife team. It's like, no, we are. We just, <laughs> like, we are who they're trying to be. <laughs> and then um, it wasn't actually until um, Pete Mitchum from Bruce News actually, I would credit as him and... Um, and James Davidson from Beer Bar Band, who wrote that article you read, mm-hmm. the two of them, like, actually took an interest and had and thought, you know what, I'm maybe, mm. maybe this isn't a trick. Maybe it is actually two people who don't know what they're doing, <laughs> and think that, you know, getting if you get a good product, good marketing, and let the beer talk for itself, it should be enough. Yeah. So. Um, Pete bought the beer and then tried to find find stuff on me and kind of figured out that who I was. Hmm. And uh, James from Beer Bar Band, I I think now I'm not sure if Pete told James or if James told Pete, but because they were both work, they were both in Melbourne. Pete lives in Melbourne, and they both live close to each other. Uh, and James was writing for Bruise News at the time, hmm. so I think Pete grabbed the beer and went this is interesting and said to him, you should try to find out who these people are. So I got an email going, Hey, would you be interested in doing a, uh, you know, an interview for bruise news? I'm like, hot damn. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Right. So, uh, yes, I met James in in a pub and we sat down and, and he put that article out in bruise news and then people started going, Oh, Mm -hmm. these people are actual, Awesome. These kind of people, and they went, yeah, okay, let's start doing that. And then um, we did the Good Beer Week showcase, and Pete gave my beer to Crafty, um, and um, Crafty actually had had been given my beer by someone else. Okay. Who were like, here's a new beer, and gave it to him, and he went. Never heard of these people. They must be a joke. They must be like a marketing company or someone trying to pull the wool over yeah. and put it in the back of his cupboard and just forgotten about it. And he uh, and he was doing a. Um, he was about to do one of the, so the first or second getting blind with Crafty. All oh, right. And Pete came up and said, "Give me some of your beer. I'm going to give it to Crafty Pint to put in this thing. I reckon you got a chance." I was like, "Yeah, sweet." So he gave it to to Crafty and mm. and I and I was doing the showcase at the time. So Crafty Point actually, you know, he came up to me and was like, you know, hey, like, I if those don't know Crafty Point, James Smith from Crafty Point came up and was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I had one of your bottles for ages. I thought it was a you know it was like a marketing trick. So I didn't drink it. It's really good. I'm very sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, it's fine, man. Don't worry about it. That's crazy. It wouldn't have ended. Yeah. That there'd be such scepticism. Yeah, no, there, there was a lot of scepticism mm. back then because there was this kind of peak where there was a whole bunch of brands that just popped up overnight okay. that were just marketing companies and some, most of them are gone. So there was like Effin. No one knows. <laughs> there was... Um, Piss, P-I-5-5, or P-1-5-5. Okay. There was – they also had a light beer called Piss Week, I think, as well. And then there was um, – who else was there? There was uh, Dos Blocos. They're still going. Yep. Um, and there was a few others that had kind of just popped up as marketing companies and wow. people were a little bit, like, dubious of. Yeah. Um, there was another one. There was quite a few that had just popped up and then dropped, like, mm. you know, disappeared. And we kind of were on the tail end of that. So a lot of people thought that maybe we were them. And then, um, and yeah, so then they did that getting blind with Crafty. And of all the beers, I came second in a blind tasting for Ambers and Reds. Awesome. So I was beaten by Dayton, Dayton's oh, Red right. Eye Rye. Okay. Came ahead of me. Another good beer. So I was like, I need to make a rye IPA then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and num- and the third beer, which I will never let him live down to this day, and I wish I brought it up uh, yesterday, was um, a beer from a brewery called Monster Mash, which is now called Kaiju, called Hopped Out Red, ah. which got third <laughs> behind 
Killers Brock and Amber Ale. <laughs> and we were sharing a brewery at the time. So I was like, yeah, right. fucking suck it, dad. <laughs> it's like, whatever, man. <laughs> no accounting for taste. I'm like, well, there is, man. Fine tasting. Without all your fucking cartoon mumbo jumbo going on. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, first. Last only time I've ever beaten that in any competition <laughs> ever. It was that blind tasting. So, yeah, um, that was good. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so that was it. And then the um, the launch party we had was actually like uh, almost a year into operation okay. when someone was like, well, I was at a bar and they were like, why – like, I can't believe, why haven't we heard of you? Where did you have your launch party? And I said, what do you mean? So I didn't have a launch party. So I just put out the beer. Like, what do I have to do all this dancing, all this shucking and jiving? Just kind of make, can't I just make a good beer and people buy the beer and drink the beer and be happy with the beer? Simple plan. That's what I thought. <laughs> and uh, apparently, no, you got to shuck and jive and you got to dance like a monkey and, and tell everybody what you're going to be doing before you do it. Yep. So that was, uh, that was my second. He goes, well, do you want to have your launch here? I said, well, I've been out for a year. And he goes, Okay, doesn't matter. Do you do you want to have your your launch? <laughs> oh, fine. So that was it. Yeah, yeah Penny right. uh, Penny Blue. So we had a had our launch party there, and cool. and then yeah, officially we launched our beer after it had been out for a while, and people actually realised, oh, these people had our party. They must be real. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There you go. So so it was a year, about a year mm. from when you started to when you launched. That was in 2013, so. so you yeah, you started in 2012 then. Yeah, my, it, yeah, it was... Which seems like a long time ago, but it's not. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not really. Yeah, so our official date of when first beer went in, and the first beer went to Slow Beer in Richmond. Um, and I've been talking to him for a while, and I said, look, I'm looking to start a, a brewery, and I'm either going to launch with an amber or a stout. And he went, thank God, it's not a pale ale. I said, no, not do a pale ale. It's taken me six years before I finally did a pale ale. And now I wish I never did the bloody pale ale. People, it's just a pale ale. Fuck yeah, it's just a pale ale. Like, (laughs) it's what you wanted. It's It's good pale ale though. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, I brought my first case and he bought it cash on the day. And I was like, okay, cool. Awesome. Sweet. And then, uh, yes, then first keg was at the Crimean and it stayed on tap for uh, four years. The amber? Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Nice. It was getting a bit stale towards the end. Ba-boom. No, I was kidding. Uh, (laughs) uh, That was good. They they were really, really good to us. So they had had our beer on tap constantly, which was amazing to have Mm. that support. And the Fox Hotel in Collingwood had our beer on for... I think we had it on two years straight at the Fox, which was okay. pretty incredible as well. So that was that was a really interesting time because we did our own sales and stuff. And I went in there, and the owner is this wonderful, amazing, amazing um, bar um, bar owner called Cloda, and she's incredible, so supportive of the industry and stuff. And I remember it was the like her way of buying the beer just freaked me the fuck out right so i went in there and she's just a no-nonsense person she's just like you know what do you want what's your point get out you know like (laughs) you know are you making me money or costing me money like she's very you know but she's lovely and very and that bar is very successful she's done incredible things with it so i brought in my samples and i was like i'd really love to have my beer in your bar she goes all right here's the deal i'll order two kegs for anzac day I want them delivered on like the Wednesday before Anzac Day. Um, I haven't got time to try your samples. So I'll put that order in. If I try your samples and I hate your beer, I'm going to call up and cancel the order. If you don't hear from me, make sure the kegs are here on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, okay. She goes, is there anything else? I'm like, no. She goes, okay, thank you. I'm like, all right. <laughs> thank you very much. And I walked out and I'm like, I think I've got a sale. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and like, and it was like a few weeks leading up to Anzac. I was freaking out. I'm like, she's going to call. And I'm like, do I put the order through? Mm. Do I check? Do I call her and be like, hey, did you try the beer? Do you still want it? I'm like, 
That's what I talk myself out of a sale. What if she hasn't tried it? Like, I should just send the kegs, shouldn't I? So I send the kegs and I'm like, even when I send the kegs, I'm like, oh, fuck, I hope I don't get this call from her going, what is this? I thought I called you. And I'd be like, oh, you didn't call me. And she goes, oh, I hated your beer. It was terrible. And, I was, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll never set foot in Collingwood again. But she didn't. And then uh, it went really well and then she bought another keg and another keg and then she kept ordering for like two years so awesome. must have been good yeah which yes. is yeah so that was good is this all still while you were brewing out of southern bay no i did two batches out of southern bay and then moved to cavalier right so hendo had done the same hendo had left southern bay as the head brewer he was the head brewer there and he left and then um we caught up uh, in a coffee shop and was sort of talking about things because he had launched his brand Brew Colt uh, yep. and he was saying oh yeah I'm brewing out of Cav and he was saying his deal was they were doing a thing where he um, he bought a tank and they installed it in their brewery and then he was able to do his own thing he could get in there brew on the equipment use his own tank bottle the beer and you know and he had full control and he goes, you should do that. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've never worked in a brewery. Like, <laughs> I've done two batches of beer and that was watching you all do it. Right. And he goes, no, no, you'd be right. He goes, it's just like a homebrew system, but bigger. Like, <laughs> all right, man, like, that's what you think. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so I got in there and then they were like, oh, there's these other dudes have just bought um, some ta- uh, bought a tank is, uh, their brewery Monster Mash it's Nat and Callum and uh, there's some other two guys that have just moved back from England and they're starting a brewery they'll have their tank in soon I was like oh yeah cool they're like oh your tanks I think my tank was going to be my tank on with theirs yeah it was so they had ordered tanks as well and they were all coming Together. So I'd ordered a tank that was getting shipped. They'd ordered a tank. So yeah, so the other two people were Grum and Fraze from Exit. Mm. They were like, these dudes are, are also going to be brewing here. And I was like, oh, sweet. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there's just the, all of us sitting around having beers, yeah. kind of like yesterday. It was yeah, sort of yeah. like us just kind of, you know, hey, what have you guys been doing? Oh, homebrewed for years and then decided to do this and yeah. the same sort of thing. And except for Nat and Callum, Nat had been like making cider, golden axe cider for ages. And he's like, fucking hate cider. I just want to make beer. <laughs> and his brother had told him that he did cider first. Then he, he'll let him make beer. Yeah. So Cal had given him the keys to be like, all right, fine. <laughs> We're going to tank. He can make beer. How does we'll see it how that work goes. in that scenario? Like we, we all got tanks. I mean, I don't really understand a brewery setup. To yeah, honest, but. so the way that it works is essentially you've got uh, like you only use parts of the brewery for very brief periods of time. The majority of time of beer is it sitting alone in a tank yeah. doing its thing and you don't touch it, you don't look at it, you just leave it to be and then you run a test after, you know, after a certain amount of days to see where it's up to. Hmm. You know, you don't really want to be – fucking with it yeah yeah so um so what we would do is we would just all share the uh the brew house so we hendo had a spreadsheet that he made up in google sheets and we'd all just book in time on the on the brewing equipment really? so on the kettle and the mash ton so you, you do a double batch to fill a tank um, so, yeah, you'd book in. So what you'd do is there'd be a morning shift and an afternoon shift. Okay. And then you would – and then occasionally you would do like a double batch in the one day. But usually you would do a batch one day, pitch the yeast, and then the yeast would kind of grow up over yeah. overnight. And then you'd do – the next day you'd brew fresh wort and then put it in and then it would, uh, you know, keep going. And then that way you didn't have to use as much yeast. Yeah, right. Uh, and things like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you just book in time. So yeah, okay. if you had the morning shift, you'd you'd make sure that you got in extra early so yeah. that you're not holding someone else up. And then the afternoon shift, you'd most likely get out late. So they all had their advantages and disadvantages. Sometimes mm. on the night shift, you'd be like the night shift was good in that like you'd sort of be able to get there and while it was if you timed it right while it was sort of going through its you know, the mash in or the boil or after it whirlpooled or something, you could nip out, grab lunch, you know, grab yeah. dinner, 
come back, eat your dinner while it was, you know, settling or whatever, well pooling. And then you could, um, you know, you could eat your dinner and then transfer and go home. Morning, same sort of thing. You could kind of get in early, get everything done while it was, you know, while it was resting. Uh, You could go grab brekkie, come back, all that Mm. sort of stuff. And it was fun because, you know, in the changeover brew, if someone else was coming in, you'd kind of be sticking around and, you know, you were finishing off a batch, they were starting theirs yeah, right. and you'd have some beers and have a chat and, and all that kind of stuff. It was That's a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, then the rest – and then the other time would be the packaging. So you'd just book in packaging days. Yeah, right. And then as the tanks got more and people would bring more and more, it, was, it just started becoming – really sort of crazy so you'd be you'd have someone brewing in the morning and the afternoon and someone packaging and someone running tests on their beer and stuff so the got pretty busy yeah towards the end of that so there was 12 tanks in total yeah right so yeah did get a did get a bit hectic mm-hmm. what's the what do you do now like where, where are you bring out of now so the last three batches, the cans that's that have come out, have come from Bodrigi. Oh, right. In okay. Collingwood. Um, cool. So, yeah, essentially we had we decided we needed to move to cans. Um, bottle sales are just non-existent anymore. People do not drink beer out of bottles. Yeah, I, so, I still almost chuckle every time you say moving to Cairns. Yeah, mm, yeah. So um, I know so, someone said that as well. It's like, yeah, it always happens up here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but um, yeah. So we we needed to yeah to start canning our beer. So we were looking around, and I essentially made the decision. Okay, no more bottles, doing cans. And that night, I got an email from. The uh, one of the owners of Bodrigi going, have you ever thought about putting your beer in cans? <laughs> We've got a brewery and there's a slot that we'd like, you know, if you want to come up. And I was like, funny you mention that. <laughs> I was just Perfect deciding. And, and the price was uh, was really competitive. So the, the biggest sort of problem with moving um, from bottles to, to cans is the, um, is the, the cost okay. because most breweries are set up for bottling. They're not set up for cans. So uh, there's been a mobile canning Mm. mob that go around and that's where majority of the canned beer um, has been coming out of. But what's been happening is as people are building breweries, they're not putting in bottling lines, they're starting to put in canning lines and things. But if you're a contract brewery, you're making your money on, you know, your contract stuff. You've got this bottling machine you've paid a bunch of money for. You have staff that know how to use it. Right. to then offer your clients cans adds an extra overhead, mm. which you're not going to absorb because why would you? Yeah. You've put in your rates. You want to keep on that. Yeah. So it just adds so much more cost. And I didn't want to go down that. I didn't want to have to put up all my prices. So I've been able to go from bottles to cans and the cans are three fifty-five mil instead of three, and mm. as oh, opposed to three thirty yeah. mil, so you get more beer. But I've been able to keep the price the same. Yep, yeah, or fundamentally the same. Yeah, it's yeah. been a very little price increase, really. But that's more around the sort of um, ridiculous collection <laughs> stuff that's happening yep. around Australia, except for Victoria, we're fighting it. We'll fight recycling to the day we die. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, so you're canning out of Bodrigi at the moment, um, but we are in the process of building our brewery, which we've been for a very, very long time. I feel like I've been saying that for years, and I have been. <laughs> uh, but, yes, we're... It's crowdfunding goes quicker, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh mate, crowdfunding. I don't know. <laughs> I just I don't know. Like I'm not I, you really gotta like level like level up your shucking and jiving for that, really. You gotta be dancing. <laughs> yep. You gotta put on the little monkey suit and the little yes. hat. You know, there's just it just seems so much effort and and then you kinda of gotta lay everything out. You know, yeah. there's documentation, mm-hmm. people are buying in, there's risk, all that sort of stuff. And look, if you go tits up and, you know, you own it 100%, whatever, 
You know what I mean? You go tits up and you had a bunch of crowdfunded money. Yeah. Then Not only do people lose it, but then other people, you're kind of screwing it for the other people that are coming, Yep. you know, behind you sort of yeah. thing, you know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced on the whole crowdfunding model. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? I was having a look at one recently, but like, as you know, thinking of putting in money for it, and there was no nowhere that I could find or see how you get money back out of it. Mm, it was you don't. No, it's basically you're giving them money to build the brewery, and, and that's yeah, it. There just to no, support them. Yeah. Is it the Which same I suppose if you're going in like that, then, you know, that's all good. You know, if they, like I said, if you go tits up, don't expect anything out of it anyway. But yeah. is, is the equity share thing, is that the same as crowdfunding? I don't that's know. What I, that's what I can gather. There's, I there's equity, there's crowdfunding where you just get trinkets. Yeah, right. Uh, which is you don't get anything. You give it, you're giving money for nothing really. Uh, and then there's equity crowdfunding. Right. The equity crowdfunding, you don't get, there's no real secondary market. So like if, you know, if you guys, if you bought a bunch of shares in something yeah. and then you're like, I don't want these shares anymore and I need money. And you're like, I want those shares and yeah. I have money. There's nothing you can do. You can just be like, well, stiff. Like yeah, too bad. Right. Okay. Um, but if you bought the shares and you needed money and I was a large multinational company and liked to buy beer companies and I bought that beer company, then you would get money. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, so that's how that works. But it's not a direct secondary market. Yep. It's interesting. Mm. Is there or any- if you wanted to buy back the shares. So if you had bought equity shares in my brewery, and I decided that I wanted to start buying things back and having more control, yep. then I could buy them off you. I could, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's like, um, was it Stone and Wood did that at one point, didn't they? They sold a portion of their brewery to a somebody with money and then bought it back once. Uh, you think Gage Rose? Gage Rose did that. Gage Rose, Gage Gage Rose, Rose did that with, um, yeah, with yeah. Woolies, yeah. And then and brought, then brought it, back. it back. And mm. they brought Matzo's as well. I don't know mm. what, I don't know about Stone and Wood though. They might have, I don't, I'm not sure. Can't remember where I heard that. Mm. Mm. Another podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's a hell of a lot of rumours about Stone and Wood. Every time oh. you turn on Facebook, apparently they've oh, sold. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody's doing that with um, Green Beacon here at the moment. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that a bit. And Bolter. Yeah, yeah, that was always and coming. Everyone, <laughs> anybody gets slightly successful, and I was putting the hardware on that the other day. I'm like, give me a break. You have not been approached. No, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> your um, logo, your yep, design work. Um, it was not really that much of a surprise to me to find out that you're into metal and stuff because that was <laughs> when I first saw it at the at the bottle shop. It was about this time last year, actually. It was the first time I tried your beers. Yeah. Um, it was the rye. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, screamed heavy metal at me. Mm. It was like, yep, I'm just buying that. I don't even care. Oh, no one else gets that, though. <laughs> oh, really? No. Who go, you, you ride bikes? I'm like, does it look like I ride bikes? <laughs> <laughs> I just see gear factory. Like just, yes. <laughs> like industrial. That's, it, sort of. it is. It's, uh, thank you. That's what, it, what's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, no one gets that. So, yeah. Ah. Did a whole bunch of design work with, um, yeah, our brand and what we're going to do with it and everything. And oh, the fun, yeah. the, the, the joys of having a brewery. You just got to <laughs> rethink every single thing ever. It's yeah, like every right. decision you make, oh, really, was that the right one? Well, let's yeah. see what you think in five years. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, um, like, the, the the look and the the pose you had just then was like, this is a little arduous. Yeah. I, I imagine that. <laughs> it is. It wasn't like that, you know, seven years ago. Or... No. <laughs> no, I was talking to, um, I was talking to Mark um, from Newstead last night. And I said to him, I said, man, you've done pretty well. This is a pretty nice brewery that we're standing in, yep, <laughs> the one opposite Sun Gold Stadium. And I said, uh, I said, though, how much do you miss Doggett Street? Like when you just had Doggett Street. 
And he goes, oh, every damn day. Because <laughs> yeah, right. I haven't brewed for ages. He goes, he goes, that's why we get into this. We get into this to brew yeah. and then we don't brew anymore. I'm like, I know, it's ridiculous. It's like crazy. that's, yeah. How do you, um, how do you manage that? Like, obviously you, you have a, do you have your own business Is, or are you like a outside of the beer? Outside of the beer? No. So I've, con- I do contract work. So I, at the moment I'm, yeah, a, a, like a casual employee. Yeah. So I have an agreement that is a one hour notice on either side, <laughs> but it just means I don't have to worry about my own tax or super or anything like that. Oh, okay. So it makes life a little bit easier. That's cool. And because like, as we've heard on Matched In, it takes you to New Zealand and yeah, all this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I was there I was, and uh, I was actually working there today as well. So the, yeah, the office is five, one of the offices is five minutes from here, five minute walk. Oh, really? So I was just up early. So I was like, ah, I'll go into the office. So gotcha. went and worked in that office for a little bit in the yeah. Brisbane office, which was nice. And I got offices in Sydney and all over the places yeah, and right. hot desks and stuff. So I was able to get some work done there. Work done here. I get work in the hotel as well. Yeah. But work at home. So no, it's good. It, it's, it's allowing me to do that stuff. It, it's like brewing is very creative mm-hmm. and um, it, it's, yeah. So sometimes like it's nice to use other parts of your brain. So, yeah, right. yep. you know, working out more technical IT design and data problems and business analytic. I don't actually know what I do. I do a lot of things. <laughs> Is it actually a prerequisite to being a brewer that you have to work in IT? It seems to be. Yeah. Ex- exit is yeah. called Exit because they're ex-IT. How cool right? is that? <laughs> when they said that, Hendo and I just went, oh, God damn it, that's a good name. <laughs> when did we think of that name? Heard that on um, Old Mate's podcast, Ian McNally. Oh, yeah. The six beers that changed it all. The Chosen Brew. Yeah. They were on there. It was like, <laughs> get stuff. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah. I know when they said we're like, oh man, that is a wicked idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think so. There seems to be a hell of a lot of IT people and engineers yeah, right. that, are, that are into, yeah. that, are, that are brewers. I think the, well, the only two people we've spoken to on this podcast now, yourself and Adam, both yep. IT related. Yeah. Yeah. IT. <laughs> I'm not really IT. It's sort of, I'm... I'm kind of, I don't know, like I just, I'm just one of those people that kind of figures things out. Okay. Which is an odd. It's the solution. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's what it is. So it's like my actual job, like my, what I consult in is, um, is business design. Okay. Which is like essentially like looking at the way a business operates and how you do things and just go, yeah, I reckon I could do a better job than you. <laughs> or just being like, hey, have you thought about doing it that way? Yeah, right. And people go, oh, yeah. Yeah, we could do it that way. You go, all right. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. See you tomorrow. There's there a TV show like this. <laughs> there was a reality show where they'd have, like, the person come in and, like, just take over somebody's business. Yeah. Oh, he's been a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like that. It's more the fact of like documenting a process. So you have, you know, in any company, you sort of get, you know, you have best practice and everyone wants to do things the, the best way. Yep. But as, you know, different people do a job and you get the kind of the Chinese whispers effect of that person learned from that person, learned from that person, learned from that person. Yeah. And someone along the way decided that they were going to do it a different way because you know, for whatever reason. And then that just became the way of doing it. Mm. And then it's once you look at it and go, okay, why are these people doing it this way and these people doing it that way? And then you analyze it and you go, well, it's probably a combination of the two. And then you kind of design a way to do it. Or, you know, when you're implementing a system or something and going, okay, well, how's that going to actually impact everybody? Mm. So, um, yeah. So it's that kind of stuff. Fair enough. Which is which is good. Whereas brewing is, or the, the part I like about brewing is the creativity is. Yeah, right. Sitting around and you know the way I make a beer is I'll have a flavour in my head of a beer that I would like to drink, and then I try to find that beer. 
Okay. And then if that beer exists, I buy that beer and then the process ends yep. <laughs> with me drinking beer <laughs> and being happy. <laughs> Unless. If that process doesn't eventuate in me finding that beer, then I will make that beer make at my house and I'll drink it and I'll be like, this is damn good beer. And then I give it to my wife, my friends. And if they go, oh, this is a good beer. I would like to have this beer on other occasions. Then I will go, maybe some other people may like this mm. beer and then I will make it for other people. That's cool. how like Amber, my Amber Ale, Bandit, Rye, all those things have come to be. Yeah, right. Because I'm like, I like Rye beers, but you don't get them all the time. Like people kind of seasonally release a Rye. Yep. Yeah. And then also like I want it to be ridiculously hoppy and aggressive and being like kicked in the face with a golf shoe. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to add like a stupid amount of hops to this thing and I will see and I will make a beer that is over 100 IBU because I want to taste that beer and then I made it and I'm like, that's all right. (laughs) 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 I'll see if other people like this beer. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, you don't do anything uh, mellow or passive. I I don't. (laughs) I do malt-driven beers. That's the other thing is a lot of people kind of go for the hops. I go for the malts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everything is a little bit darker than it's um, mm-hmm. yeah, the other types of the same style. Yeah, mm. you know, I was I was really curious about that. How you have a full time job or a, you know a, a busy working life plus? I mean, I don't really understand what a brewer does, but the, obviously recipe development, mm. then your actual brew days. Yep. And yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more to it. But yeah, it just seems like it'd be a hell of a lot of stuff on your plate. There is. Like while we're gypsy and contract and stuff like that, it's not as intensive because you've got other people checking the beers and, and, and you know, doing all that sort of stuff. So ordinarily you'd have to so when we were out of Cavalier and we had our own tank, you couldn't do you know you you essentially doing this the work of a brewer because you're going in every day so you're driving in getting the sample making sure you you know you're you're testing it running um you know running vdk tests all that sort of stuff so i was taking half your day doing all that kind of thing and then we were also doing sales and deliveries and things like that yeah right so that's taking up a huge amount of your time Mm. now like go there for the brew day making sure everything's okay once it's in tank you're just monitoring things but i don't have to be there for them to take a sample and tell me what what the readings are they can tell me the readings and i can monitor it and things like that um it's beer doesn't just all of a sudden Mm. change you know what i mean there's sort of those curves and things and you can kind of you know you can taste the, the the you can do a vdk test to make sure that it's finished fermenting or if that's gone through all the precos and everything that's ready to go um but yeah you're not so yeah because of that i'm not having to do it. and then packaging mm. day you know that used to be a huge amount of time because you've got to make sure you've got everything in there and it's a long day you got to set up and package out all your beer and clean down everything like that it's one of the benefits of gypsy and contract is that you don't have to do that no. <laughs> so other people will clean up so you don't have to clean well because if you had like a pie chart of brewing majority of that pie chart is going to be colored in in cleaning yep. yeah, and that's yeah. majority of what you do in beer is clean yeah and you just everything is cleaning 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 there's very very little actual beer making <laughs> you know yeah right like on your average brew day you you you're like you're milling the grain now that doesn't take that long, really, and then you're dumping the grain into the mash tun, and you know it usually goes through a hydrator and stuff. So that's mixing as it's going in. Doesn't take that long to do that. Then it gets up to temp. You know, you, you, like you set your, your strike temp so that when it's hydrating and going in there, it's going to go in at the right temperature. And then you're mixing everything up. You sort of ding the grain bed out, making sure everything's all mixed through and everything's good. And then it just sits for an hour. And while it's sitting there for an hour, you're cleaning so you need yeah. to clean the fermenter you're going to use and the and setting up sanitation loops and cleaning your heat exchanges and yeah. all that sort of stuff and then you know it's finished resting it's time to transfer so you press the little button and the pump goes and it starts transferring beer into the kettle and 
you can sit there and watch that or you can clean. So you clean more <laughs> things while so you maybe switch from a caustic loop to rinsing or doing a, you know, um, a sanitization loop or something like that. So then you're doing all that. And then it finishes transferring and then you got the boil. So you uh, you can't really do anything because it's boiling. So, yep. you, you know what I mean? That's another button you push and then you can add hops. Yeah. But unless you're continuously hopping your beer, that's like a hop addition and then yeah. you're waiting for the next one. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, you got to clean out the mash tun, so you got to dig out all the grain out of that. Yeah. So then that's all that. So Throw that's, it on the front yard. Yeah. <laughs> so most yeah. can't do that with that size. <laughs> no, you, but you, farms and zoos, farms and zoos come and pick it up for free. Yeah, nice. So so you're digging out that, and then you've got to clean down the mash tun, and then you're transferring the stuff out of the kettle into the fermenter, and once that's done, you've got to clean the damn kettle, and then you, <laughs> and then you go home. So it's majority of that time you're cleaning things. Yeah. You're not actually so doing the brewing. Get paid to clean. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Brewing awesome. is cleaning. <laughs> so when the brewery opens, yes, is that life then? Like no more other work? Like- um, that's a really good question and one that I do not have an answer right. to. I think it's like anything at life. If someone backs up a big enough dump truck of money to you, you probably... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all depends on where on where things are. Yeah, um, right. At this stage, I think I think probably I would I would do some consulting as well as a sort of a side thing because it's good to kind of get your mind doing other things mm. and to kind of have that different side. Yep. Um, yeah, right. It's also. I don't know. It's just money's nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> brewing, brewing is a very expensive yeah, yeah. thing. So, and you always need more things like, you know what I mean? Canning lines and right, yeah. more tanks and all this sort of stuff. And anytime you're, you're growing, like you've, you've only got a certain amount of resources. And if, even if you're doing really, really well, mm. you still need to allocate your resources somewhere. So do you look at getting, you know, you need to do more product and all this sort of stuff. You need to get a, a bigger tank. Yep. Once you grow out of your area, you know, your the size of your venue, you then need to get another larger thing. So you might need to look at moving. And all these things are quite expensive. Yeah, right. So how do you pay for that? Either you've saved up a heck of a lot um, from doing that and you probably are not going to be doing that in the brewing industry. Like you're mm. obviously getting some money, but brewing is very expensive Mm -hmm. and um wages and storage and just moving beer around it costs a lot of money ingredients all these things the fact the government puts excise up every six months your tax goes up so all these costs are are sort of adding up that you need that will eat into your buffer to have something else that has that you know yeah that thing um but yeah the the plan would be that yeah the is sort of the focus mm, yeah and then other consulting the good thing is the kind of work i'm doing um there is the opportunity there's you know the the sort of in consultancy there is a lot of opportunities to kind of work remotely and things yeah right. i've got a lot of I mean, i've got friends that that will never see an office my, my um my sister's boyfriend at the moment is uh is working currently he's on holiday in australia with with my sister and he works out of um out of europe like his office is in europe but he's you know he's just on his laptop just dials into meetings Mm. in the middle of the night yeah okay that's so the the, the work yeah like offices are changing yeah people work in there's a lot more people working remotely so it'll all yeah it'll all depend Mm. and there's a lot of sort of you know opportunities i don't think i'll close anything off okay you might have to bloody marry a doctor or something. <laughs> Hopefully, um, by the time you're down in Melbourne in a few months. Yep, July. Your brewery will be open now. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. That's hopefully true. by July, yeah. Oh, awesome. damn. Depends, uh, yeah, depends how, yeah, shipping routes and things like that. But, yes, no, it should be. It sh- fingers yeah. crossed it should be in by then. And where's that yeah, getting? Right. Where's that? Bayswater. Bayswater, all right. Near the Dandenong Mountains. I've heard of that. 
Cool. cool. Um, and yeah, when he does come down there, just tell Fraser and Graham to put his picture on the wall. He's not allowed to go into that <laughs> gang. No. <laughs> I saw Graham yesterday. I'm going there. <laughs> yeah, our gang's a great bar. There's so many, yeah, so many good bars and stuff. Have you stuff got a permanent tap there? No, I should talk to them about that. <laughs> no, we're going to do a tap takeover and a podcast there soon. Okay, awesome. But, um, no, I, they rotate through all their all their beers and stuff. I think the only permanent like they they've got permanent taps and uh, probably and kaiju. I think, and that's probably about it, really. Nah, well, this has been really cool. I've really yeah, really enjoyed learning all about mm. Killers. Probably been hearing the story. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for joining us, Sean. It's been fantastic no worries. hearing your story. And uh, yeah, hope to catch up again yeah. soon. Yeah, cool. Definitely really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks yeah, very much, man. Done. No worries. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Thank See you. you. So that was our chat with the main man, Sean. Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan. Gillis Brockett. Mashed in live stream. Bloody legend. Bloody legend. All round good guy. Yeah, definitely. Lots of respect. Great dude. Yep. Definitely enjoyed the chat. Love to have another beer again. And we appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with us too. It was fantastic. Thanks heaps. Hope everybody enjoyed yeah, the it, listen. Yeah, hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. It was yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. And and definitely do yourselves a favour. Go out, find yourself some killer sprocket. Yep, hunt it down. Yeah, plenty of it up here in Queensland. You will not be disappointed. And it definitely does look like a Metalheads beer. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Legend. Thanks, heaps, mate. Cool. Thanks, See everybody. Yes. Bye, bye. Thanks for joining us, guys. Please be sure to keep an eye out for future episodes, which you'll find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Wooshka. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Facebook as well. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram or Facebook by searching the Sunday Sesh with SMS or contact us via email at forthehopheads at hotmail.com. For the video fans, we've now got a YouTube channel up and running too. We're practically everywhere. Well, as always, gang, until next time, cheers. Cheers.